Hello everybody and welcome to 137th episode of TechCraft. This is your weekly dive into the world of tech and we are recording this episode on the 18th of July which is Monday. So and uh, I'm joined in the studio by Rishi here. Hey Rishi. Hello, hello. How are things? Uh, excellent. I uh, just came back from my first ever visit to Brazil and it was amazing. Um, and we did a big workshop there in Belo Horizonte. Um, um, yeah, and so I'm just kind of uh, recovering from that and I just uh, very, very excited uh, with it. All right, great. So how did, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy Brazil? Oh, it was wonderful. And um, yeah, it's just everything you would imagine it to be and, and more. The food was just amazing is the word for it. Like I never had a bad meal there. Mm. Um, I mean, I was told that with the area which where I'm going, which is Minas Gerais, it's like a mining kind of, a, let's say, state mm-hmm. north of Rio and Sao Paulo, and they're known for their food and they're miners, basically. Okay. Uh, you nice. know, mining people, everything is connected to the mines, iron mines, iron ore mines, and um, just, yeah, incredible. Um, amazing, amazing is the word, and I can't, can't... Uh, can't say good things about it enough in some ways. Cool. So as you guys might have noticed, we, we skipped one one week. That's because Rishi was traveling, as he mentioned, to Brazil. And I went on a very short holiday, unfortunately, very short holiday uh, back home to Russia. Nice. So, yeah, it was very nice. The weather was incredible. It was 34, 36 degrees. Although I do have to say the pollution is is kind of it's very noticeable there compared to to, let's say, Dublin. Well, I'm sure that Dublin probably emits the same amount of pollution as like my hometown, Rizan. But here we have such a strong winds that everything's just blown away all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether there it's not quite as windy, so it stays around. Because when we were driving to the city from outside the city, you can actually see like uh, smoke, smoke as they call it, like a dark kind of cloud above the city and it's not a cloud it's it's pollution so that's not particularly great but um otherwise yeah all very nice uh as you as you might have known um like russia has is definitely going through some financial issues uh because of the rubble collapse and all that kind of stuff and i was telling rishi that the market is ruled by the chinese companies now like everything like nobody even uses Samsung's, it's all like Meizu, Xiaomi, OnePlus, or very old, like iPhone 4 and 4S. Those are probably... But in fairness, I mean, OnePlus, it's a good phone. I mean, it's not a bad phone at all. It is, but they would actually be like the older. It would be the OnePlus 1 or OnePlus 2. It wouldn't be the latest ones. Um, And those would be the expensive ones, like, but you can get... Like majority of the people, like I was looking at their phones, like and sort of the prices, majority of them would be under hundred euros. Yeah. Like that would be the market. So, but you know, with the way rubble is now, that's actually a lot of money for a lot of people. So, yeah. So that's one interesting thing uh, because here in Europe we don't really get the Chinese uh, companies as much yet, anyway. But yeah. Um. So let's jump into it. The first thing I want to talk about, uh, which I'm sure everyone's heard about a lot by now and probably is a little bit sick of it, but I would just want to chat about it, which is the Pokemon Go. So the Pokemon Go, for those of you who don't know, is a game 
uh, from Nintendo, which came out, I believe, last Monday. So it's exactly a week ago. And it's a augmented reality game where you install a game on your phone and uh, essentially you go and around the world, the real world, and you pick up Pokemons. And Pokemons is, for those of you who are too young to remember it, like in the 90s, there were the hot stuff. Like it's essentially a um, anime from Japan, Japan anime, An- anime, I don't know. Uh, so to be person, perfectly honest with you, I don't get it. Like I... I don't get the whole hype around it. Like how, how come like, and I see this videos of like crowds of people in the States run into like in Central Park because there is like a rare Pokemon somewhere. But first of all, obviously I'm sure that there are people who are big fans of Pokemon, but it's not like, it's not a pop culture anymore. So I would imagine it would be a subculture, which is fair enough. Like a few people would enjoy it. But for some reason, like everyone is playing this now. So, Rishi, why do you think that is? Like, what's, why? Do you think it's just a hype where a few people picked it up and now everyone's just using it because it's, it's, everyone's using it, if you know, that sort of thing? Like, well, you know, I, I, see, I I don't know why, because I don't play it. So what my, my. It's not available in Ireland yet. We should probably just. Oh, well, there you go. So, that's the second thing. But I didn't even look in the app store, by the way. I wanted to, but I was just like, never got to it. Um. I am thinking this is like a trend or something, like a fad, you know. So I'm wondering about the half-life of this kind of a game in the sense that um, how long will it continue? Um, um, I don't know why people use it. Um, I've seen reports where people say, well, now they can um, go out. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's strange to me because you could do it anyways. Um, we... You know, I have a family and a young daughter, and one of the things that we always do is go for a walk every evening. Mm-hmm. So, but the issue is, when we go for a walk, uh, we make it a point to leave our all the phones and everything uh, in the house mm-hmm. because, firstly, we are not going that far from the house, so there's no real need for it. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's just nice to go for a walk without kind of anything to do, let's say, or check or whatever. Um, so I don't understand why people would do it. And if you look at the videos um, of, let's say, people playing Pokemon in the park or something like that, mm-hmm. it's kind of, to me, a bit sad, no? I mean, there's a beautiful park and a fountain. I saw one in New York City where there's a nice fountain there near Central Park and everybody was staring at their screen. And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't get it. I, I, maybe I'm too old and, you know, I, you know, in technology, certainly I'm older. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't see the point. I don't see why you would do it. I don't see, like, what. I mean, there are. Uh, what was the Google game that was the Ingress? In- or Ingress. Ingress. Yeah. It's the same idea where you control locations and. But a bit more interactive catch- and a bit more. Um, yeah, you know exactly. Yeah. I mean, you throw a ball on a screen. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> you know, that's what exactly it. Right. Yeah. Tap the screen a few more times and some cute characters. I don't know. I, but I'm wondering. So obviously, with the phone, as you said, Rishi, it does look very weird, a little bit weird. But I'm thinking if if it's a precursor of a things to come once the AR glasses or headsets become widespread. So you know, like Hololens, because with Hololens, you can just be walking around your business, not even 
explicitly staring at your screen to play the game and then a Pokemon pops, pops up somewhere and you just go, oh, yeah, sure, why don't I catch it? And you go ahead and catch it. Um, so that's kind of one thing with, which I'm thinking, which is like, okay, so it's a precursor of the things to come. But I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's a sign of just where our culture is at the moment and that, you know, people people are not going out because they don't see the need to go out because, you know, they chat with their friends on their phone. You can do it from anywhere. Uh, they, you know, have their computers and whatever screens at home. And really to go outside is like, okay, get groceries. Well, you don't even need to do that in the big cities like New York. I'm sure they have grocery delivery services. Um, and maybe like meeting people outside is just not a reason enough for like the new generation anymore. So like something like this is what's getting people outside now. And it's just a, a sign that maybe that's what's needed. We need to create technology that would encourage people to go outside. I agree. Uh, there's no, there's no obviously doubt in that, but I think what, what, um, what worries me or what I just don't like, I guess, is the fact that what you're doing out, you're not really interacting with anybody. You are, um, you know, you are at a fountain. You don't really care who built the fountain or why was it built or, um, let's say how, you know, it came about or mm -hmm. what is the, what is, you know, where was the stone from and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, all you care about is just uh, tapping on a screen and kind of, let's say, controlling it and, and putting a Pokemon to guard it and things like that. And mm -hmm. I guess you could argue, well, that's better than just sitting at home. And I, I think you're right. But I also feel that the expectation is really low here then, right? I mean, if if I think all you expect is to be sitting at home, um, I mean, my only criticism for this is that this doesn't help you be a well-rounded individual. Mm -hmm. um, just like um, just like playing video games is good. It's good to let out steam and kind of just enjoy and just shut your mouth, like brain, and like just play a video game and get immersed in the game. But uh, if somebody said to you that, "Well, I live in the game twenty-four hours," you would think that there's something wrong with them. Like mm -hmm. um, you still need interaction. You you still do. And um, as much as kind of. There is a, um, how do you say, um, primal instinct with touch, with being close to somebody, with, let's say, um, talking to people and things like that, that has been inbuilt for generations. And to somehow say, well, now you can do everything in a virtual world. Um, I'm not convinced that humans are built for that. And what, what I think is that what will happen is this, we have this entire generation of awkward kind of people with zero social skills. And all they can do is tap on the screen and, you know, be terrific in a virtual world, but simply cannot uh, function uh, normally in a face-to-face uh, -face, uh, kind of a surrounding. And the problem with this is that um, most of the, of the world, let's say, if you forget the Pokemon Go kind of people mm -hmm. uh, who are into it, most of the world uh, kind of has other things to do. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how, like, I've seen an article where people go on lunchtime uh, to Pokemon, to play Pokemon Go. Like, they, they go for a walk. And it's weird. Like, I would never do that. I don't know um, why that is such a thing. Like, why wouldn't you just 
meet somebody or meet your friend or enjoy lunch. Like, do, do you see what I mean? I do. I do. Um, I think, Rishi, that's our goal. We need to create a game that would make people interact with each other while playing a game. But the point being that you don't need a game, you know, (laughs) like for centuries, you don't need a game to interact with each other. You could, I don't know, join, join a club or, you know, go do yoga in the park with a group of people. If if your goal is to meet other people, Mm. my my only, my only thing is that if this is the future of AR, it's pretty, it's pretty kind of grim future. No, I mean, it's not over to me. It doesn't seem like a very hopeful future where it's actually very sad that um, like a bunch of people are on the fountains tapping at the screen rather than, I don't know, talking to each other, admiring the fountain or something. Maybe it, I sound like a Luddite or something like that, like an anti-technology person, but it, maybe it's a generational thing for me because I came from a, from a generation where there was no hand, handheld phones and technology and social network. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's very, very strange to me. Uh, uh, and I, I cannot understand why. And, um, the second thing that we talked about uh, was uh, the half-life of this. How long will this last? Is this forever? Is this... No, um, I I think the initial hype will be over soon enough, within a month. And within a month, you know, like maybe half of the people will stop using it. But I'm, I'm guessing it will still be popular for, for a very long time. The same with Ingress, right? I don't know if Ingress was ever as big, but people have been playing it for years and, you know, I'm sure within the last year you've never heard about Ingress, but there is still some crowd of people that are playing it constantly. So I, I would imagine the same would be with Pokemon Go, maybe with a bigger user base, regular user base than Ingress. Yeah. I mean, would you play it if it was available in Ireland? Uh, I'd install it. I'm actually not sure whether it's free or not, uh, but I would install it and I would give it a shot. And by give it a shot, I mean I'd play it for probably 10 minutes, but no. No, it's mm-hmm. it's not my thing. I'm not. Uh, I don't use my phone like a lot of people do, where they're always in their phone, you know, checking social networks and all that kind of stuff. I prefer to to use it a bit less than that. So, like that would not be. I I wouldn't be a target audience for this. Let's just put it this way. So. Yeah, and I also think that the like to. to uh, I'm trying to understand why this is so appealing to somebody. Is Do they not have enough things going on in their life that you choose to spend, um, I don't know, hours in a game? Like, what, what can you explain to me why would somebody, what is the motivation to play? Like, what are what need or craving are they satisfying? Well, let's not forget that it's also a game. So, I mean, none of us have played it because it's not available in Ireland yet, but there is a good chance that it's just a very interesting game to play, right? So that could be one of, of one of the reasons. And the other reasons, maybe it truly satisfies that need that people have to, to go outside and they just don't see the reason why and this gives them the reason why. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about places like, uh, I don't know, Brazil or some places in the downtown US is very dangerous. Like, are you going to go Pokemon Go and like the, well, the, I've read the articles. I've read articles that the criminals were actually using Pokemon Go as a as an instrument to lure in people, and then they would rob them essentially, uh, because you can like organize some sort of meetups, and yeah, the the criminals were like 
luring people in. So, yeah. I don't know. All I can say is people, there are like far greater problems that are pressing this earth and just stop this self-obsessed kind of navel-gazing kind of, you know, there is, we have water crisis, we are an environmental crisis, capitalism as the way we know it is not working, like modern work needs to be solved. Like there are so many problems and running over cartoon characters, I'm sorry, it's, it's not very, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to like judge it in some ways, but I am in some ways. But my point being that there are many important problems to be solved in this world. And, and certainly I would not like to waste my time uh, doing Pokemon Go. And I have been a gamer and like I play Battlefield and it, there have been times where I go on a self-imposed vacation where I say I'm not going to play mm-hmm. and I find myself to be far more productive in it. So yeah, I just, it's, it's. I don't know. I mean, I understand the gaming thing and it's a game, but man, there are so many much more pressing problems facing humanity than catching a Pikachu. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know how much time people are spending on it, but you, if you well, know, if you play it, millions of hours, no, I mean, but if you play looking... it instead of like, you know, playing a game on your Xbox or whatever, like instead of playing the Halo, let's say, then maybe it's a better alternative for a lot of people, right? Because it gets you out, it gets you moving a little bit rather than sitting on the couch playing Halo. Well, to me, it's kind of like a cultural phenomenon. Like, do you remember, maybe you're too young, do you remember the song Macarena? Like, mm. it was like a song. I do um, recall the song. It's like a yeah. catchy beat, like, da, 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 da. Yeah. Like it's, it's a stupid catchy beat. And it was the rave for like six months and everybody was singing it and everybody was dancing it. And now we just laugh at it and it's like, haha, isn't that funny? Or like, you know, like whenever it plays on TV, you're like, oh, do you remember that time? And I really hope that this is kind of one of those rather than the future of AR because, man, it's very depressing otherwise. Uh, I personally think it is the future of AR. It just gives you th- thought of, okay, how can we, how can we help people using something like this? Right, because you can make a game like this that would be a lot more interactive. Like you can create clans and blah and do meetups. And I don't know. You you can make it more social, definitely. So if, if you know if it helps people to become more social, then why not? But do you think that that's the definition of being social? Like no, no, no. I'm not saying exactly the way they use it. No, but exactly. But even even your example of making a clan and talking about a clan strategy, I actually. Um, would argue that this is actually contrary to being social. This is not social. You're not talking about, I mean, from a really, uh, let's say, um, extreme point of view, you would say this is what the company wants you to talk about is their products, right? I mean, you're just a lemming who's like going to talk about brands and, and marketing marketing kind of material. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's being social. That's kind of like, I mean, I'm sure there's some marketer who would disagree with me, but... Um, I don't think that's being social at all. I mean, yeah. I'll I'll actually be interested to to hear what our uh, listeners have to say about it. Yeah, so, I, I actually think yeah. it's an escape. I think I think the world is going down pretty much. Like every day, you hear the news, and like it's just like one bad news after the other, and it doesn't seem to get any better. So I feel like this is an escape of like, okay, well, it's going down. I might as well enjoy myself. Yeah, but uh, that's what gaming is about, right? It's kind of getting yeah. away from, from the real life, even for, for a split second sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, but that's my point. Like, 
this notion that somehow real life is so dreadful and and like let's say just has such a weight on your shoulder that I don't want to live in it is not something that I share like I mm-hmm. do work that I absolutely love um I get to meet very interesting people I have a very good family and you know like a very nice wife and a beautiful daughter and things like that so like I don't share I mean I, and you could argue I'm super lucky mm-hmm. um it comes with the price because I have zero debts I have zero kind of anybody who's going to call me for money and things like that but I this is my life and I don't want any escape from it this is my paradise and my point being it's very depressing for me to hear that you know like there is this game that is an escape route from other people's lives and then you wonder like what why are you in such a miserable position in your life that you need a game like this to kind of escape it no i mean isn't is that a social thing you think or are most people unhappy in what they're doing and in their life that they need a game like this to well i'm sure if you, if you look at the statistics most of the people don't don't like their job for example and you know that's like you spend most of your time at your job so there is your number one indicator right <laughs> so yeah do you really believe that? Do you really believe that most people don't like what they're doing nine to five? Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm really? sure. I I believe there are studies that that say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that's like a, a majority of people would not like what they do nine to five. Yeah. Or if they had a choice, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you're one of the lucky ones, Rishi. No, well, I mean, it comes at a huge price. Yeah. I mean, I have no stable income. I have no. Um, you know, house to call. Like, I mean, we have no mortgage, so therefore we have no house. Like, it's it's a huge kind of a price to pay for it, and I'm I'm comfortable with that kind of a risk. And maybe some people aren't, and that's fine. Yep. So on to the other piece of news, which is again, um, might well, it's an interesting piece of news. So a Japanese soft bank is buying Arm or is planning to buy ARM holdings. ARM is a company that designs uh, computer chips. And it designs the computer chips that pretty much everything other than your desktop and the server computers run on. So your mobile phone runs on one of those. Your, If you have a smart fridge, your fridge would run on one of those. Your car would be, would be running on these. Uh, pretty much anything would run on those, right? Um, So ARM has actually a very interesting um, business model. In a sense, it's it's a British company, it's a UK company. And they come up with the design of the chips, but they don't manufacture the chips themselves. They license out those designs to other companies like Qualcomm or Apple or Samsung and then those companies take those designs and they might tweak them a little bit and then uh, manufacture their own actual chips and you know put it into their devices or sell it to other companies that would put it into their devices. So this company buying the ARM, the ARM you know, company um, might change things a lot. I mean, the industry is pretty much used to that all the uh, R&D is pretty much done by the ARM and then other companies just take it, maybe tweak it a little bit and manufacture it. Um, what if 
they buy ARM and they say, okay, well, you know what? From now on, we're just going to be building our own chips and we're not going to license out this technology to anybody. Uh, then it's essentially going to become like Intel because it, that's how Intel works, right? They do their own R&D, they do their own manufacturer manufacturing and you just buy it from Intel. There is just Yeah, Intel. but you know, you must understand that there's two things with this. Firstly, SoftBank is a very famous, let's say, Japanese company. It's kind of like their, I would even argue, it, their version of Google, although they don't have a single product, it's their mega tech company. Mm -hmm. It's like Alphabet. Um, correct. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, SoftBank has a history with software, actually. Like if you look at uh, the things that they own, it's Yahoo Japan, a bit of Alibaba, uh, uh, free sell, super free sell, that's the games. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I think that the, the only comment that I would have on your analysis is that they seem to be much more into the software side of things, and that's why ARM fits nicely into their acquisition. So I'm a little bit less, uh, let's say, skeptical with them trying to like consolidate everything and try to build their own ARM chips. And mm -hmm. the reason for that is because while I agree with you, Intel does that, but Intel is also in a lot of trouble uh, with uh, the manufacturing uh, in the sense that they uh, to build a fab is a huge capital investment in the billions of dollars. And you need to have, let's say, a fairly proven market and all of that stuff that goes into investing billions of dollars. And so uh, the, one of the reasons why ARM is so successful is because they have outsourced the manufacturing to uh, kind of, let's say, external companies. And that's why you have companies like TSMC and Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing mm -hmm. Company, all of these companies in China who have fabs in China, and they build there using the instruction set provided by ARM. So it's a very nice, let's say, um, position to be in. If you think about it from a software analogy, it's the Microsoft position where mm -hmm. Microsoft makes the software, and then there are these companies outside, Dell, whoever, are making the machines and are just installing that software. <laughs> and so Microsoft saves itself from uh, having to invest in a computer building, let's say, fab, um, which is what they're doing now with Surface. But essentially, that's what SoftBank's interest is. The second thing about um, this acquisition is that um, I think the bet is that most... Um, IoT and big data and all of these kind of devices will use ARM because of the low power instructions. Yes. Kind of. uh, and so I feel that because of this kind of market has not been proven in some ways uh, that this exists and this will actually happen, I actually am even more skeptical that um, SoftBank will start manufacturing anything anytime soon. I think somebody will have to prove it that this is a thing that... Um, I mean, in fairness, what I'm thinking here is also the SoftBank is run by this guy, Masayoshi Son, who's a very famous, let's say, CEO. And prior to that was run by this Indian guy, Nikesh Arora, who came from Google. Mm -hmm. So um, this is not to say that SoftBank is not ambitious or are run by very visionary people because they are. I mean, mm -hmm. Masayoshi Son is quite famous for being a visionary. So I would argue that you, your theory has some legs to it. Uh, but I think that it's a very risky move if they start to de-license stuff and, you know, start making their own things. I think, I don't know, I mean, it's kind of like what happened with uh, Surface when Microsoft started to make Surface and then they had to convince Dell and HP that really we're not really competing with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just, um, I wouldn't say that that's what I see them doing. It's just one, it's the just the concern I would have about, okay, how yeah. can things change potentially, you know, 
And the other interesting thing is, so ARM is doing really well. I mean, as yep. you said, Rishi, they're not spending billions of dollars into the manufacturing uh, fabs. So they really just need to invest into R&D and then their chips are the most, the most popular chips in the world. They're more popular than Intel's even, well, because mobile devices, right? Um, so why would you sell your company? If you're doing so well and you're so profitable, why would you sell it to somebody else? That's well, the one thing a, that I find a bit weird. It's an opportunity cost, though. I mean, it's a huge money, $30 billion. Dollars. It's like, so, I mean, if somebody offered me $30 billion, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I, in, all, in all just aside, uh, I think that, I think that the money has to play a part with it Obviously. in the sense that the offer was very lucrative. Um, and while you agree that um, uh, um, kind of um, um, the the future upside could be like very high for ARM, but at the same time, I think that with such a lucrative offer, I mean, I think and and um, uh, I think there's a negotiation to be had, but I, I don't think it's such a difficult kind of decision to make, right? I mean. I think it would be something like anything above 30 billion, I'm in, I don't know, I mean, that's the way I would think about something like this. And then they said 31, then then you start negotiating and, and then you reach an agreement. But I mean, if they had said 25 or 15, I'm sure Arm would have said no way. Mm -hmm. no, there is no, like a threshold that they pass. And after that, then it's just a matter of the exact number. Um, I don't know, why would you sell? Um, yeah, maybe the, the guy just got tired and like the CEO just, you know, uh, wanted to do something else. Um, yeah. Could be, could be. It's a public company anyway. So yeah. it's not just uh, with, with the CEO. It's I'm sure um, when, um, yeah, the shareholders will be very happy to get a premium on their shares and all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just looking at some statistics and they essentially have 4,000 employees and their annual profit in 2015 profit now was 400 and. 15 million pounds so that would probably be about 700 million dollars maybe 800 million dollars something like that so for a company of 4,000 employees that's a pretty good pretty good numbers i would say but obviously 40 30 billion is uh <laughs> is a lot bigger yeah and and arm is in the microsoft camp where the only real let's say competitive advantage that they have is in their ip the design yes. of the chips and so maybe maybe 30 billion is a very high number for the talent right i mean they really don't have anything else yes absolutely uh, and and obviously nothing is stopping talent from leaving and things like that so um yeah i mean it's a very lucrative sum for talent yeah right <laughs> yeah but it will be interesting to see what's going to happen uh maybe it's going to Maybe they'll just be investing more money into the company and we're going to see bigger leaps in performance and it's all going to end up great. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm not skeptical about it. I'm just, I just found it a bit interesting. Um, no, but SoftBank is known for software uh, IP, mm -hmm. uh, let's say portfolio like Alphabet. I think that they are trying to build a massive software, let's say technology base mm -hmm. that they, I actually think that they are more like a, I mean, investment slash mm -hmm. kind of, how do you say, like a holding company. You know, I don't yeah. think they will executives from SoftBank coming into ARM and running the show and stuff like that. I think they are more from a financial point of view. They want to maximize the, 
the kind of the return mm -hmm. rather than we're going to change the direction of the microprocessor. I think, I mean, they're such a diverse That's portfolio. Fair. They have gaming companies. They have invested 300 million in, in like a competitor to Uber and things like that, like Ola cabs in India. And I mean, order, mm -hmm. it's just the whole thing. It's a financial transaction, I think. All right, cool. So at this point, we'll wrap up this episode. Um, so guys, if you like the show, subscribe to us on iTunes or any other podcast of your choice. We'd actually love to hear your feedback about the, you know, some of the topics that we discussed, in particular, what you think about Pokemon Go. Do you agree with our opinions or minor issues or do you have your own? Uh, to convey those thoughts to us, you can either leave us a comment on our website, techcraftnation.com or on social media at techcraftnation for the podcast, at Sergey Slash for me or at Rishi Bilal for Rishi. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, we'll see you next week with another episode of TechCraft. See you guys. Bye.